The Lord be with you. Welcome to Thin Places, the podcast channel of St. Aidan's Anglican Church in Nicholasville, Kentucky. I'm Father Lee, the pastor here at St. Aidan's, and I want to invite you to join me here each week as we join together to share common prayer, common worship, and common life. And just as the streams feed the trees on their banks till they pour in the seas, so may my life be to all those who share this wilderness road. A reading from the Gospel according to St. Mark in the 8th chapter. Jesus began to teach his disciples that the Son of Man must undergo great suffering and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the scribes, and be killed and after three days rise again. He said all of this quite openly, and Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But turning and looking at his disciples, he rebuked Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan, for you are setting your mind not on divine things but on human things. He called the crowd with his disciples, And he said to them, If any want to become my followers, let them deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For those who want to save their life will lose it, and those who lose their life for my sake and for the sake of the gospel will save it. For what will it profit them to gain the whole world and forfeit their life? Indeed, what can they give in return for their life? Those who are ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous, sinful generation Of them the Son of Man will also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight. For you, Lord, are our strength and our Redeemer. Glory be to the Father to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit. Amen. Have a seat. So if you guys ever watch the local news, occasionally you might catch a public interest story about uh, usually men, occasionally women, who travel by foot, often along an interstate or a main like highway thoroughfare, uh, carrying a large wooden cross. This cross looks a lot like the one that Jesse built for our Holy Week services. Um, I did a little Google search to look at some pictures of people who who do this practice, and um, some of the crosses are like retrofitted with a little caster on the end so they can, you know, roll it easier, and uh, some people have a duffel bag or whatever things they might need along their their walk um, bungee corded around the bottom of the cross, kind of like a rolling luggage bag. Um, (laughs) I saw one of these people uh, come through Wilmore probably eight, nine, ten years ago. Some of you Wilmore people may remember him. Uh, these these guys, these women, men, they're they're pilgrims of a sort, um, and they go along evangelizing, preaching to whoever um, comes across their uh, their travels. Um, often, like I said, I've seen I've seen lots of news stories about about these men and women, and they're always very passionate about sharing the good news of Christ with newscasters, um, with travelers along the roads, whoever will listen. Um, that is definitely a way um, 
that we can, we can hear the gospel lesson today. Um, as a matter of fact, one guy took it so far as to become a Guinness Book World Record holder for this very practice. His name, you may have heard of him, his name was new to me as of this week. Arthur Blessett. He began his travels back in 1969, Christmas Day, and has reportedly traveled over 40,000 miles. Um, quick math, if you do your 10,000 steps a day, and you do those every day, you'd have to walk 23 years to equal 40,000 miles, give or take. Not a mathematician. Um, <laughs> and he has, he, has, uh, he has been on each continent in every country. Um, his, his record, by the way, is, is for longest around the world ongoing pilgrimage or walk. Um, another way that we could take today's gospel lesson is uh, slightly less literal. Um, and uh, I'm going to call it the platitudinous toleration of annoyances and inconveniences, which feels like it should be on a placard at the bottom of a bureau of boring bureaucracies. These kind of things are like noisy neighbors, irritating in-laws, the tax man. Um, another way that we can conceive of the gospel lesson today, especially for us, especially in Lent, is our individual self-denials. So, imagine with me, if you can, a person invited to a Monday morning staff meeting catered with Chick-fil-A chicken minis while abstaining from meat. <laughs> Arthur has nothing on me. Please don't get me wrong. I am, I'm certain that our brothers and sisters who take up their literal crosses and walk across the country, the countries, I'm, I'm certain that God uses their ministries in ways that we can never know. And without a doubt, we are all being formed when we love our in-laws and when we say no to nuggets. But what I'm saying is that even though God can use all of these things, I think we're always looking for ways around what Jesus is actually calling us to, no matter how we manage to spiritualize our avoidance. You may wonder how I know this. <laughs> you know, I'm always grateful when I stumble upon Jesus making allowances for the disciples' ignorance because their ignorance is almost always our ignorance. And you think that Peter, in our story today, would not have required this sort of allowance because, like a star student, he hit the nail on the head. Jesus, just before this story, asks, Who do you say that I am? And Peter rightly declares, you are the Messiah. He gets it. We should get it. The end. Ta-da. But yet pronouncement does not equate to understanding. If it did, Jesus wouldn't have had to begin teaching them just after this incident. It would have, it should have been clear. I, I can't help but almost always feel being sorry for Peter in the Gospels, um, but particularly here as he rebukes Jesus during the teaching time. Um, because after all, Peter really truly thought he knew what Messiah meant. All the disciples thought they knew what Messiah meant. 
all the Jewish people thought they knew what the Messiah meant. Because this is not some brand new concept that they plucked out of the air. This is the thing, the person they have been praying for, pleading and begging God for. They've been waiting their entire lives for this. Jesus rebukes Peter not only because he's going to have to teach the disciples a new way of understanding, but because they will also have to undergo a severe unlearning of everything they thought they knew. And Jesus begins their re-education in a truly shocking way. And the more I think about it, the more I think that it's probably impossible for us to grasp the level of cognitive dissonance that the disciples experienced when Jesus told them that the Messiah was going to suffer, be rejected, and be killed. And on a cross, of all things. These, the most shameful, horrific way a person could die. We stand on this side of the cross. We stand on this side of the resurrection. And when we talk about the crucifixion, it's in a classroom with a cup of coffee and a donut. We don't walk outside and see crosses lining our streets. And, you know, despite the comfort that we discuss crucifixion in, uh, I once knew a woman who, she claimed to be a Christian, but utterly refused to celebrate anything to do with Easter because she could not accept the horror of Good Friday. And that's here, now, in America. Imagine Peter and the disciples and how they must have felt when they heard that this is the way of the Messiah. And with no time for their disequilibrium to settle, Jesus throws this at them too. And the same will be yours if you choose to follow me. I don't want to break hearts here, but Jesus does not have a future in the marketing business. On Ash Wednesday, in our Lenten book study, oftentimes I, with the kids in Sunday school I talk about this too, um, we talk about repentance as the idea of turning around, of turning toward God, away from sin, etc. I think Peter and the disciples and the crowds that have now gathered in on this teaching are given, are given this similar invitation. Turn from all you thought you knew. Turn toward a new paradigm. Turn to, as Tertullian says, the absurdity of the crucifixion that shows the radical nature of God's love by its very implausibility. <coughs> Peter eventually experiences all of today's reading in quite literal terms. He and many of the other disciples carry their literal crosses, not down I-64, but on their own paths to their own Golgothas, dying in a like fashion to the Messiah. And the truth is, there is a possibility that all of us sitting in this room could have the same thing happen to us. In our context, in our day and age, in Kentucky, I doubt that we will come to Peter's particular <coughs> end. But if we are serious in our yes to follow Christ, 
we will experience death upon death, day after day. Because as we come to trust the contradictory call that dying is living, we are being we are being we are being conformed to the cross of Christ. Every time we hang up this particular cross, I don't know if everybody here has seen it up close. We got we made this cross ten years ago, I don't know. And we got all of these thorns and thistles from Andy and Amy's farm. And some of the thorns on there, I mean, they are big. <laughs> it is, it's dangerous. <laughs> and every single time that we hang this cross up, I tell at least one of the kids, and often one tactile curious adult, that um, I tell them, I warn them, do not touch this. You will bleed. <laughs> and I think the same can be said of the one who hung upon the cross. Because Jesus is not interested in part of us. Jesus wants all of us. If you touch the Messiah, if you choose to follow Christ, you will bleed. Your relationships will bleed. Your finances will bleed. Your social status will bleed. Your sense of self will bleed. Your hopes, your dreams, your plans, your agendas, they will bleed. I could just stop here. Because the call to follow Christ is not easy. Christianity is a hard sell. But I won't stop here because I can't. Because Jesus didn't. If you listen again to the list of musts that Mark put in his gospel today, you hear, the Son of Man must suffer. He must be rejected. He must be killed. And he must, after three days, rise again. This story isn't over, and neither are ours. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Thank you for checking out Thin Places today. If you were blessed by your time with us and want to know more, Check out anchor.fm forward slash thin dash places for more homilies, devotionals, and worship from St. Aidan's Church in Nicholasville, Kentucky. And make sure to follow us and leave a comment and join us again next time in common prayer, common worship, and common life. The peace of the Lord be always with you. Father is restored.